Hi guys, Simon here from the Triple F and welcome to the Triple F Update Show. This is a new format of show where I wanted to introduce and update you all on leagues all over the world. I always like to stay updated with leagues as much as I possibly can, but it's hard finding the time to do so. So this is a way of keeping in the loop and hopefully you'll find it as useful and as interesting as I do. This episode is an MLS update, but given that the MLS season has come to an end, you can consider the show more of an MLS review show. For those not so familiar with the MLS, and I'll be honest with you, uh, you can include myself in that bracket, I thought I'd quickly break it down for you. The format is fairly similar to the NBA, with Western and Eastern conferences. This is the first time that 14 teams have been entered into each conference. Previous season was 14 in the East and 13 in the West. Season before that was 14 East and West 12, which just goes to show the expansion of the MLS. Whichever team finishes top of the overall league table between both conferences wins what's called the Supporters' Shield. The top seven teams from each conference qualify for the playoffs. For two seasons only, have the winners of each conference qualified automatically into the semi-finals. And that makes sense to me given that you should be rewarded for topping the group. So second through to seventh, face off against each other in the first round then the leader of each conference joins in the semi. The teams qualifying from each conference for the playoffs were in the Eastern Conference first was Philadelphia Union, second was CF Montreal, third were New York City FC, fourth were their neighbours New York Red Bulls, fifth FC Cincinnati, sixth Inter Miami and seventh Orlando City FC. In the Western Conference the first place team was LAFC, who of course um, became the Supporters' Shield winners. Second was Austin FC, third FC Dallas, fourth LA Galaxy, fifth Nashville FC, sixth Minnesota United FC and seventh Real Salt Lake. Um, the reason why LAFC became Supporters' Shield winners was because um, although they had the same amount of points as Philadelphia Union, they had more wins, therefore they were crowned the Supporters' Shield winners. And of course, whichever of these teams make it to the final, play to win the MLS Cup. Now I just want to mention some of the best goals um, in the season for the MLS. There were some fantastic goals, of course, but these are just the best three for me. Raheem Edwards for LA Galaxy against Colorado Rapids. First of all, the guys are left back. Not that left backs can't score great goals, but you know it's not something that we see so often. He takes the ball from just inside his own half. He twists and turns their right back, sells one of their players with a dummy, and then curls the ball, top bins, into the top right corner of the goal. It is some finish. I implore all of you that are listening, you need to go and see this goal as soon as possible. Secondly, Paul Marie for San Jose Earthquakes versus Austin FC. A 40-yard thunderbolt. Corner gets swung in, keeper punches it and it reaches Marie who just takes a touch to set himself and then hammers the ball from 40 yards out into the top left corner. An absolute thunder strike. And then finally, Ricky Pooge for LA Galaxy versus Toronto FC. Picks the ball up deep in the opposition half, plays a 1-2 with a teammate, then curls a beauty with his right foot out of reach past the keeper. 
As I said, for the first goal, I mean, all three of these goals you need to go and watch as soon as possible. They are fantastic. But that last one from Ricky Pooch, there's just something, a real touch of class about it. And it's, uh, yeah, it's a real, real classy goal. And you can see why he was considered such a loss for Barcelona and for a long time considered the future of Barcelona. So it really is a massive coup for LA Galaxy. If you're interested in coming on the show for an Under the Floodlight special to talk about your favourite player or manager, please email the thetripleF2021 at gmail.com or DM the thetripleF84 on Twitter. All contact details will be in the episode description. Hope you're all keeping safe and thanks again for listening to the Triple F. As we're on the topic of Ricky Pooch, I just wanted to mention how we're starting to see a bit of a change of MLS fortunes, how we're starting to see the MLS on a bit of a rise. It's not how it used to be back in the day where players like Thierry Henry, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, um, even David Beckham to a sense, where these sort of superstars were coming to the MLS and it was in their, their sort of twilight years and they were coming to play out until you know the retirement was around the corner this isn't really the case anymore we're seeing now from Federico Bernadetti who just moved from Juventus to Toronto is about 27 years old but most notably Ricky Puj who is 22 23 I believe and his move from Barcelona to LA Galaxy raised a lot of eyebrows and it brought Puj a lot of negative criticism he was considered you know the sort of future of Barcelona as I mentioned before but um, you know many people were questioning why he actually chose the MLS over Europe especially when you know as I mentioned he was considered the the sort of heart of Barcelona in the future and he was seeing his playing time dwindle whilst he was there so maybe that's why he decided uh, decided to um, come to another country try a, a fresh start but the MLS was an odd choice but you know it's uh, it's got him off to a good start and it show it's starting to show that you know Ricky Pooj is a fantastic player and we're starting to see more more moves like this materialize another player that can be seen in a similar light is the Brazilian striker Brenner who for whatever reason his move to Ajax never materialized instead he ended up signing for the team managed by ironically Dutch legend Jap Stam of FC Cincinnati this signals a change upon the MLS horizon. Will we see more players in their prime swapping European shores for the MLS or in South America? Time will tell, but uh, it's looking promising for the MLS right now. The MLS has certainly developed and progressed to a higher standard. It's produced some of the most exciting prospects, such as Miguel Almiron. Although it took him a little while to bed in at Newcastle, he's certainly making an impact now at St. James's Park. Brendan Aronson, his brother Paxton, who's just moved from Philadelphia Union to Eintracht Frankfurt, Tyler Adams, Zach Steffen, Jack Harrison and Alfonso Davies are just a few um, young players that have moved from MLS academies and just making a real big name for themselves now on European shores. When trying to think of what the moment of the season was, it's um, it's a strange one. Although the moment of the season, what I considered to be the moment of the season, wasn't necessarily anything to do with football per se, but more to do with emotions. And Gonzalo Higuain's last ever game, sadly he lost 3-0 to New York City, but his emotional outpouring at the end of the game is a powerful moment and hopefully he'll be recognised for one of the true greats to ever grace the game. 
I just wanted to take a little bit of a moment to mention the standout players of the season. These are the five that I've that come to mind and spring to my mind when um, thinking of who have stood out the most. And Andre Blake of Philadelphia Union, 16 clean sheets leading up to the MLS Cup final, huge dominating presence in goal. Not exactly super tall at six foot two, but he makes himself very big. He's a great shot stopper, hard to beat in penalties four-time MLS All-Star, three-time MLS Goalkeeper of the Year and three times that he's made the MLS Team of the Year. Walker Zimmerman of Nashville FC. He's an extremely solid defender who is built to rep for being one of the most solid defenders in the MLS. Zimmerman, only the fourth American defender to be signed to a designated player deal in league history. Two-time Supporters' Shield winner, first with FC Dallas and then LAFC. Three times MLS All-Star, twice MLS Best Defender and he made the MLS Best 11 four times. Daniel Gazdag of Philadelphia Union, another Union player. He's come up with 23 goals and six assists this season. He's clearly a goal-scoring midfielder who likes to bomb forward and knows exactly where the back of the net is. Ending up as third top scorer in the MLS as a midfielder is quite the achievement. He's another player helping the growing development of the MLS as he could have easily chosen to stay in Europe but decided to ply his trade in the USA and is flourishing right now. Carlos Vela of LAFC. Most Arsenal fans will undoubtedly remember Carlos Vela. He made a bit of an impact during his time at the Emirates, but ultimately he never really lived up to the hype, managing only 11 goals and 10 assists from 64 games. He was loaned out to various clubs in Spain and had a fairly quiet loan spell at West Brom. It was his 2011 to 2012 loan to Real Sociedad where he scored 12 goals from 35 appearances which really put him on the map. Sociedad bought him after that season and he continued to achieve wonderful things for the club by scoring a total of 54 goals from 184 games after making his move permanent. Since moving to Los Angeles FC as the club captain, he is basically cementing his status as nothing short of legendary at the Bank of California Stadium. He's a three-time MLS All-Star. He made the MLS Best 11 three times, 2019 Golden Boot winner, and voted the league's MVP player that same year. And Hani Mukhtar of Nashville FC. I had to save the best till last, but Hani Mukhtar, without a doubt, was the MLS player of the season and was rightly voted the league's MVP and all-star. The German attacking midfielder claiming top scorer is one hell of an achievement. I mentioned Gazdag getting third spot as a midfielder was something, but Mukhtar blows it out of the water. 23 goals and 8 assists shows you how excellent this guy is, especially when playing for a team finishing ninth in the overall league. Mukhtar is another guy you can add to the list who is only helping the growth and development of your MLS. Only 27 years of age, could easily have chosen to stay in Europe, having plied his trade in Germany, Portugal, Austria and Denmark, but he took the risk of the MLS and is now flourishing for Nashville FC. Just before we get stuck into the MLS Cup final, I wanted to give a little bit of background on the two clubs that recently made their debut at the MLS Cup final. Philadelphia Union, they were founded in 2008 but didn't feature in the MLS until the 2010 season. They were purchased by Jay Sugarman's Keystone Sports and Entertainment in 2008 for a price of $30 million. NBA legend Kevin Durant is a minority shareholder of the club. 
The club's home stadium is Subaru Park, located in Chester, Pennsylvania. One of the club's biggest contributing factors in their recent success is manager Jim Curtin. Jim Curtin was appointed as head coach of Philadelphia Union after serving as assistant coach to John Hackworth for a couple of seasons. Initially, Curtin was interim head coach as the club searched for a replacement, but Curtin impressed so much by advancing to the US Open Cup final that the U made his role permanent thereafter. He also led them to their first ever MLS Cup final. What makes Curtin's brand of football unique is that he implements in-game formation fluidity, overloading the opposition defence and vertical tiki-taka. Steve Bevan of Philly Sports Network wrote in Jim Curtin, a tactical deep dive into the Philadelphia Union head coach in July 2021, that the Union tries to get up the pitch as quickly as possible and catch the defence off guard or disorganised. The midfielders hardly look to pass sideways or to each other and with the help of runs from both striker or the attacking midfielder will look to put a ball through in behind the defensive line. It's fast attacking football that's fun to watch and you know you're always going to see maximum effort whenever the union plays. just a little bit about LAFC. Los Angeles Football Club are even younger than the Union as they were founded in 2014 but didn't make their MLS debut until 2018. Their home ground is the Bank of California Stadium located in Exposition Park, southern region of Los Angeles. The club is famous for its litany of celebrity ownership involvement from the likes of Will Ferrell, Magic Johnson, former player and two-time Women's World Cup winner Mia Ham Garcia Para and her husband Nomar Garcia Para, just to name a few. The most eye-catching element of LAFC isn't just the fact that manager Steve Turandolo is having an incredible record-breaking first season, most wins ever in the MLS by a rookie coach and only the second coach to claim the, both the Supporters' Shield and MLS Cup in one season. Or the ever-growing superstar squad with players such as Carlos Vela, Gareth Bale and Giorgio Chiellini on the roster. It's without a doubt the fan base. The LAFC supporters are collectively known as the 3252, which refers to the safe standing capacity within the stadium. Plus, all those numbers add up to the number 12, as in the 12th man. LAFC Executive Vice President of Branding Community, Richard Roscoe, set out to build a community that didn't fall into the traps that other Los Angeles teams stumble into. A diverse, passionate and very Los Angeles fan base was there to be had. LAFC just had to tap into it. From day one, what we were extremely mindful about how can we build symbolism around our club and an identity around our club that would highlight and showcase everything amazing about the city. If you're very, very, very careful about representing the authenticity of the city, then you are going to tap into people who are like-minded and everything's going to grow on itself. If you see how other teams promote themselves in this market and present themselves, you will see the cliché Hollywood sign, you will see the clichéd palm tree, you'll see the cliché surfboard and its very surface. Because all of us who visit here, and mostly those of us who live here, we understand that there's so much more than the clichés. And finally, just a little bit about the MLS Cup Final itself. 
Last Sunday, Philadelphia Union played LAFC in the MLS Cup final. It's the first time either of the two teams have ever reached the final, and my goodness, it was an absolute thriller. LAFC took the early lead after a deflected free kick. Philly equalised early into the second half after Gazdag took a wild long-distance shot superbly under control and slotted excellently past the keeper. LAFC took the lead again in the 83rd minute with a Jesus Barrio header from an in-swinging Carlos Vela corner. Jack Elliott makes it 2 all after another header but this time from a free kick. Then it went to extra time after 2 all after normal time. LAFC goalkeeper Maxime Crupeau gets injured and then sent off during extra time meaning that about 11 minutes of stoppage time on top of extra time was given. Former union keeper John McCarthy came on in his place and did he make a statement but yeah we'll get on to that later. Philly scored in the fourth minute of that stoppage time with another Jack Elliott goal. Philly fans went absolutely crazy thinking they'd won but up steps Gareth Bale in the eighth minute to equalise and take the game to penalties. And then in the penalty shootout it just seemed like the momentum would swing in Union's favour as Christian Tello of LAFC hit a lame effort into the gloves of Andre Blake. But then Gazdag slips and hits his pen way over. Buyanga is the first to score from the spot, putting LAFC 1-0 up. This is where John McCarthy steps up because he pulls off an excellent save to deny Martinez. Hollingshead then puts LAFC 2-0 up. McCarthy again with another great save, this time stopping Wagner from the spot. Then Ilya Sanchez steps up to nail the shootout and crown LAFC as MLS Cup winners. Truly a magnificent spectacle of a game and a truly excellent advert for the MLS. Thank you so much for listening to The Triple F. If you could please drop a like on our Facebook page, subscribe to the YouTube channel and follow us on Twitter, that would be massively appreciated. Hope you're all keeping safe and thanks again for listening to The Triple F. <laughs>